0: This is Trinity Western University's chapel podcast, where our daily chapel gatherings are captured and shared for the TWU community. Whatever your day looks like today, we're glad you're tuning in.
1: Thank you very much. It's great to be with you this morning. Um, I, uh, I stay with my son, who went to Trinity and stayed out here, even though he was from Ottawa. And um, this morning on my way in, I was listening to an interview with Bill Bryson, who has just written a book about the human body. Now, he is not a Christian and he was, but he was extolling how wonderful it is to have a body because all the elements that are in our bodies are the same ones that are in dirt. Well, we know why that is, because God made us out of dirt. But he was commenting on how dirt just sits there. And it doesn't just sit here in us. And so he, Bill Bryson was talking about what a miracle life is, and so I, I echo our chaplet in saying our bodies are a wonderful thing, and we can appreciate that we can get up and move around and that the dirt in our bodies is not just sitting there, it is a wonderful thing. Well, I'm, uh, that's not actually what I'm talking about. So um, I'm talking about uh, the persecuted church. And if we could just, I, yes, we're praying for the persecuted this morning. And I'll take the next slide. Um, This past Sunday was the International Day of Prayer for the persecuted church. Some of you may have prayed for the persecuted already this past Sunday, but we're gonna talk about it, and there's not just one day that you can pray for the persecuted. Um, It's something that the Bible calls us to think about and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in prayer um, on a regular basis. Some of you may be from countries where there is persecution or have visited countries where there is persecution. Um, And so you may be more aware of persecution than some others. Um, Canada is one of those countries that's relatively isolated. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can drive to the US pretty quickly, right? Especially if you are. Living really, really close to the border, some of you can actually, you know, on a good day, you can see across to the mountains in the US. But many other parts of the world, there are many countries that are bordering right around your country. Um, and so there may not be persecution in your country, but maybe the next country over or the next country after that. And so uh, some of you may have seen or know people who have experienced persecution. I know people who have experienced persecution because in my work life and academic life, I have done quite a bit of advocacy for those who are persecuted for their faith. Um, I'm part of the Religious Liberty Partnership, which is an international organization that brings together people who work on behalf of those who are persecuted. Um, And it is a real privilege for me to know and have heard stories directly from people who have been persecuted. Over the last 10 years, restrictions and persecution of Christians has increased. Every year, Christians are denied access to education, kicked off their land, denied jobs, jailed, and even face death for their faith in Jesus Christ. Um, The university has a, a theme of facing the world. Some of you may have seen the videos on facing the world, and as part of facing the world, we need to be prepared to face persecution. Um, Perhaps because we go to another country where there is persecution, or perhaps because we face hostility towards our own religious faith. And just in the past election campaign, there were certain challenges made to one of the political leaders on the basis of his faith. Um, and his Christian values were said not to represent Canadians. And Jagmeet Singh has even said that um, Andrew Scheer, because of his Christian values, is not fit to be prime minister. So we may face that kind of challenge in our lives, and we need to be prepared to face it. Um, I'm going to read from one of the theme uh, Bible passages Uh, this year that was set out for the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, and that is Hebrews 10, 32 to 39. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in one who shirks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. This passage from Hebrews calls us to stand with those who are persecuted. Can I have the next slide, please? So, as I said, in the last 25 years, I have been an advocate for those Christians who are persecuted for their faith. And you will see a list of the 50 countries where it's most difficult to be a Christian. Some of these countries, like North Korea, or places where it is illegal to be a Christian, and if you are found to be a Christian, you will be jailed and possibly killed. And even... When I have talked with people who have faced that kind of persecution, the thing they ask for is actually not advocacy, is actually not, please get me out of here. They ask for prayer to stand firm in their faith and not to be discouraged or to be tempted to deny Christ. So, I thought this morning that rather than hearing about, like, you can hear about an issue, and then it's just an issue, but if you hear the stories of people, it becomes more real. So I'm gonna tell three stories about Christians who have faced persecution. So I'll take the next slide. The first one is Asia Bibi. Some of you may have heard of her. Uh, Pakistan was number five on the world watch list, and Asia Bibi is from Pakistan. It is a place where it's very difficult to be a Christian. Asia Bibi left the home she shared with her husband and children and headed for the fields one day. The village of Itawala, some 40 miles southeast of Lahore, is surrounded by green fields and fruit orchards. It's one of the most fertile in the Punjab. Like many women of the village, Asia worked as a farm laborer. It was June, and the women were to spend the day picking berries. After working for hours under the scorching sun, the thirsty, exhausted women stopped for a break. ASIA was asked to fetch some water from the nearby well. She set off, jug in hand, but on her way back, she took a sip of water before handing it over to her Muslim co-workers. They were furious. Asia is a Christian, and in Pakistan, many conservative Muslims don't like to eat or drink with people of other faiths. They believe that non-Muslims are impure. Asia's co-workers told her that she was dirty and not worthy of drinking from the same cup as them. An argument erupted, and fierce words were exchanged on both sides. Five days later, the police barged in to Asia's house and accused her of insulting the prophet Muhammad. Outside was a mob, including the village cleric, who accused her of blasphemy. Asia was dragged outside and beaten by the mob, right in front of the police. She was arrested and charged with blasphemy, which is a crime that can be punished with death in Pakistan. During the trial, Azia maintained her innocence, but in 2010, she was sentenced to death. She has spent nine years of her life in solitary confinement. All too often, the allegation of blasphemy is misused as a way to settle personal scores in Pakistan. Once someone has been accused of blasphemy, Before their case has even gone to trial, they and their families come under attack. In 2018, Asia was finally acquitted, and it sparked three days of mass riots in Pakistan. It was so bad that officials did not release Asia, because she certainly would have been killed by the mobs. Her family was spirited out of Pakistan, And Canada gave her refuge. Finally, earlier this year, Asia was quietly released and finally able to rejoin her family in Canada. And I applaud the Canadian government for protecting the Bibi family. While Asia's case became well known worldwide, there are many other Christians who languish in Pakistan's prisons accused of blasphemy against the prophet Muhammad. So she is just representative of many others. Next slide, please. Leah Sharibu, Nigeria is number 12 on the list of countries, World Watch list of countries where it is most difficult to be a Christian. Leah Sharibu was one of 110 Nigerian girls kidnapped by Boko Haram the militant West African radical um, army pledged to ISIS. She was captured after Boko Haram stormed their village in February 2018. Five of those innocent children were reported to be dead. 104 were eventually set free, and only Leah remains a prisoner. Boko Haram is holding her captive because she refuses to renounce her Christian faith, even though it could mean her freedom or even her life. Boko Haram has said that they will keep her a slave for life. Christian and Muslim religious leaders in Nigeria have condemned the terrorists and demanded Leah's release. She has passed her 15th and 16th birthdays in captivity. Leah's case is representative of the plight of many Christian girls in northern Nigeria. Boko Haram has taken hundreds of Christian girls from their families. It attempts to convert them to Islam and marry them to Boko Haram soldiers. If the girls are returned to their families, often they have been indoctrinated into a very radical form of Islam. Next slide. Helen Barani is from Eritrea, which is number seven on the World Watch list of countries where it is most difficult to be a Christian. Helen is an Eritrean gospel singer who was arrested in May of 2004, shortly after releasing an album of Christian music. And she was arrested and imprisoned because she refused to sign a document pledging to end all participation in evangelistic activities. She's a member of Rhema Church, which is a Pentecostal denomination that is not recognized by the government. I have heard Helen speak. Um, She is still alive, and she has been released. I'll tell you that story in a minute. Um, But she said she, when she became fully alive in Christ. She simply could not contain her enthusiasm for Jesus. And she would share everywhere she went about her faith in Jesus. She would share uh, on the bus as people were going to work. She would share in the streets. Um, And it was impossible for her to stop her evangelistic activities because she was so full of her love for Christ. She was detained at May Sarwa Military Camp, which is north of the capital, Asmara. She had no possibility of contact with her family and was denied uh, medical care and legal representation. She was forced to endure imprisonment in a shipping container out in the desert. It had very little ventilation. No light or sanitation. During the day, it was sweltering hot, and it was very cold at night because it was in the desert. She was released after two years of captivity because the authorities believed that she was near death, and they didn't want her to die in captivity because that would cause problems for them. So they returned her to her family, and they thought she would die within two weeks. The following year, she was granted asylum in Denmark, where she now lives. Helen advocates on behalf of other evangelical Christians who are imprisoned in terrible conditions in Eritrea. This includes many pastors who are living in shipping containers in the desert. These three women all refused to renounce their faith, when facing challenges and persecution, three stories that represent hundreds and thousands of others. You will note that I chose three women to talk about, because women are particularly vulnerable to persecution in many parts of the world, because women are not held in high regard. And so there are very few people who will advocate for them when they are imprisoned. Just to be clear, I'm not advocating that anyone seek out persecution, but it is important for us all to be prepared for it. God has not called us to a life of ease, but to a life of service for him and for his glory. And for some Christians, that means persecution. The Bible makes this very clear. But all of us are called to stand with those who are persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. So can I ask you all to stand? We are going to actually stand with the persecuted and pray for them as we close our time together. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for a day that we can stand with those of our brothers and sisters, Christians who are persecuted around the world for their faith in Jesus Christ heavenly father we lift them up to you we pray that you would be with them that you would lay your hand upon each one who is imprisoned and their families who are worried about them we pray for those who have been tortured and who are in pain that you would lay your healing hands upon them be gracious unto them and lord as we stand with them today we pray that you would strengthen our faith Help us know you are with us. Help us to be prepared for whatever you have in store for us. We pledge ourselves to serve you. We pledge ourselves to continue to follow you, no matter what our circumstances. And I pray particularly for those who are suffering today for any reason. Lord, thank you for your presence in our lives and for the life you have set before us. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message has challenged, encouraged and inspired you as we continue learning and growing together in discipleship to Jesus. Every week, you'll find new chapel messages on our channel from local and international speakers, ranging in diverse and engaging topics. So go ahead and subscribe for the latest of what's going on in chapel. Much love and happy listening.